Chapter 1 The prank Mason Stark pulled on his sister was doomed from the beginning. For starters, he wasn't supposed to be on the bridge. Cadets aged 13 and under were forbidden from any section of the ship deemed combat-sensitive, which pretty much left the crew quarters, cafeteria, gym, and certain hallways as the only places they could roam. Sometimes Mason's sister, Lieutenant Commander Susan Stark, would tour the engineering decks with him, but that was it. The pranks were a new thing, born from pure boredom. The last one, on fellow cadet Tom Renner, who Mason thought needed to experience what Academy One called humility in the face of glory, had ended badly. Mason's lip was almost healed, but Tom's left eye was still mottled bruise yellow. In Mason's defense, there wasn't much for 18 cadets to do on a ship that was mostly closed to them. Sure, when no one was looking, they raced each other down the corridors or held mock battles, but that got old. And Mason was sick of the crew sneering at the cadets or telling them to knock it off. Mason already had years of training, but was forced to imitate cargo just to log his required space time for the summer quarter. Another reason his prank was doomed, Mason hadn't known that Captain Renner would call a code yellow in the middle of the night from her personal quarters. Her voice booming through the ship had made him drop the final bolt he'd removed from Susan's chair. The bright white light on the bridge had changed to a pulsing yellow. Under normal circumstances, the bridge was under the computer's control between 0300 and 0600 hours. Now it would be fully staffed in a matter of minutes, a full hour before it should be. Which of course made Mason wonder what could rouse the captain and the ship in the middle of the night. Nothing good, he knew. The last reason his prank was doomed Susan was usually the first person on the bridge each morning. She liked to set up her engineering console and drink her morning synth coffee, all while looking through the great transparent dome that separated the bridge from cold, empty space. She was supposed to fall out of her chair by herself. No one was supposed to be watching. Afterward, she would laugh, maybe put Mason in a headlock and rub her knuckles over his head until it burned. Instead, the officers rushed onto the bridge with pillow-marked faces, and Mason dived behind the pilot console at the front left of the dome. The best place to hide, really the only place, though now he was as far away from the two exits as possible. How close is the tremist ship? Captain Renner said. Her usually tame brown hair was frizzy. Her eyes were a little puffy from sleep, but they still appeared hard and calculating, all-seeing. How much time? A few feet from Mason, Ensign Chung tapped the perimeter console a few times. Mason could only see his back and a sliver of the hologram in front of him. Previous course was parallel to ours, but they've drifted 300 kilometers closer, Captain. Now only 40,000 kilometers away. Recommend Code Red. Crouched behind the desk-sized console, Mason broke out in a cold sweat, even though the bridge was a constant 72 degrees. 
Code reds only happened if a ship was expected to come in contact with the Tremist. Direct contact. Of the Tremist, Mason knew one thing for certain, and two things not for certain. The certain, the Tremist were aliens bent on annihilating the human race. The uncertain, they had better technology, and, depending on who you talked to, would probably win the war. They were vampires inside of human-shaped spacesuits that resembled armor worn by ancient knights of Earth, and they wanted to drink your blood. Since a fellow cadet named McCall said the Tremist were also shape-shifting werewolves, Mason doubted this was true. Enzin Chung sucked in a breath. They're putting on speed.